0: Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing today? Well, it's a great time to be in church. We want to welcome all those who are streaming with us uh, on Facebook and YouTube and those in the room. If you are here for the first time, we are so glad you're here. And if you're a returning member or attendee, we're so glad you made it here because a lot of times there's that Easter hangover. You know, people come to Easter service and the next week it's like, womp, womp, womp. But we're so glad you're here. Listen, I have a question. How many people can relate to that guy in the video? Whole lot of hands going up. As a matter of fact, I believe if I look around, there's some people in this room that you haven't had regular pants on on a meeting in about a year. All of y'all can bear witness to that because we know what it's like to do a Zoom meeting. Well, listen, we're, we're kicking off this new series today, uh, and it's called Church Face. Church Face. And what we're talking about is the fact that even just like in this video, a lot of times in our lives, there is chaos going all around us. But what we say is that everything's fine. And if we're honest, everything is not fine. And so as we're looking at this today, you often feel like you're a person that needs to just kind of push through and fake it till you make it. And what we like to say, faith it until you make it. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what it means to walk in authenticity. What it means to walk in vulnerability. And as we talk about church face, some of you are like, well, what is a church face? You know what church face is. Church face is when you, the, the person that you are until you come into the property. Church face is the person that you are from the time you step out of your car, from the time you get back into your car. It's the person of, it's the version of yourself that says, hey, I'm blessed and highly favored. It's the version of yourself that says, favor ain't fair. It's the version of yourselves that say, God is good all the time. time. It's the version of yourselves that you come out into the public. You're saying, dear God, my God. But when you go back home, you're like, oh, Lord, I can't do it anymore. If we're honest, what we do is a lot of times when we show up into the public, we put on our church face. We put on a mask. Now, I know we wear physical masks in this season, but if we're honest, a lot of us are wearing masks all through the week. And so as we are jumping into this series, what we said is that after we celebrate Easter, after we celebrate the resurrection, what generally happens is that we understand that we live in these kind of two opposing worlds. We live from the victory of Christ, but there's also some very real things that are going on in our lives. And so as we're jumping into this and we're talking about church face, we said a lot of times people wanna just kind of, especially from a church standpoint, they wanna jump right into a discipleship path. They wanna jump right into kinda getting you plugged into the church. They wanna jump right into telling you all the great things you need to do to be a great Christian in Jesus' name, amen? But what we said as a pastoral staff and as a leadership team is we felt like we needed to just take a minute and slow down. We felt like we needed to take a minute And actually deal with the real things that are going on in people's lives. So many people come to church on Resurrection Weekend. We get filled up. We're excited. But then what happens is when you leave that church service, life is still waiting on you. And what we don't do enough is really slow down to deal with the things that life really brings to you instead of putting on this church face. And so if you would indulge me for a minute, the idea of church face is that we know that the perception of church is that, yeah, even though it should have been this place where some that needed healing would come, it has turned into a place where the people who are healed just celebrate with the physicians. It's turned into a place where people know that they need salvation, they know that they need a savior, but it's turned into a place where people just operate in modified behavior. And that modified behavior is this behavior that we put on to get along and go along like everything's okay. And today, again, one of my burdens as a pastor, as a pastoral team, we're like, listen, if we're going to really emancipate greatness, if we're really going to walk this thing out, we cannot fake it till we make it. We have to walk in this word called authenticity. Somebody say that with me. Authenticity. Authenticity. So here's the thing. We could have really called this series Church Facade. Why? Because a facade is this. Follow me. A facade is an outward appearance that is maintained to conceal a less pleasant or less creditable reality. Can I say it again? A facade is an outward appearance that is maintained to conceal a less pleasant or creditable reality. And I say this often as I'm preaching. I say on Sunday mornings, I don't wanna speak to your Sunday self. I wanna speak from, for this service, I wanna speak from your 1 p.m. on Sunday all the way to your 11 o'clock self on Sunday. Because what happens is that if we're honest, we really know how to put on. We know how to actually put the suit on to make sure that we're walking in the holiness of God. But when we leave here, are we really transformed? Are we really changed? So here it is. In church, I was thinking about this, a lot of times we're so in tune and we're so concerned with talking to people and telling them what they need to do in their faith that we don't consider what they're dealing with in their flesh. And I know in church, flesh is a bad word. You know, especially if you come from the old church, you're like, you just operating in the flesh. You need to get it together. But what we want to do is we want to say, listen, you deal with these things all throughout your week, and when we come into church, we're not relevant. We're not talking to the things that you need to actually win in life. So if you are new to church, the church facade is probably one of those things that kept you away from church for a long time. And if you're someone who goes to church on a regular basis, you actually are that person that says, when are we actually going to deal with the things that I'm dealing with? See, we can preach the scriptures. We can, we can go hard in the paint. But sometimes we have to do what? Slow down and get back to basics, and deal with what God has for us. So again, if you're new here, we've been talking about this thing called emancipating greatness. And emancipating greatness, the scripture that we're using as a foundation is Genesis 127. And that scripture simply says that we are made in the image of God. And in the image of God, he created us to rule, subdue, and have dominion. And what we've said is that in understanding that image of God, that you were made for something great. Can you look at somebody even through that mask next to you and say, you were made for something great. Come on, say say it with your chest. You were made with something great. So I'm going to surprise you guys a little bit because today I really don't want to preach to you. I really want to have more of a conversation today. I really want to slow down and really deal with some things and kind of just get this series started. I love the fact that I get to kick this series off because I don't have the pressure to finish something today. But what I do want to do is open us up to see how God really wants us to operate and what we're going to understand over the next couple weeks of this series. So if you're following by version, this part is in your notes. And if you're not, just, just take inventory of this right quick because these are the things that we're going to deal with over the next several weeks. The first thing that we want to make sure that we deal with as we go through this church face series is this. Number one, the understanding that who you are in God. We want you to understand who you are in God. That's talking about identity. Identity. Number two, we want you to understand and we want to bear witness with the fact that there are real struggles we face. Somebody say amen. amen. And number three, we want you to know that with God's help, we can overcome these struggles. With God's help, we can overcome these struggles. And then number four, that we don't have to act like everything's okay when it's not. I think we can just sit right there and park right there because too many of us are acting like everything's okay and it's not. And the fact remains is that we find ourselves living and walking with a church face, with a facade, something that's built up that's not the real us. And here's the big hinge pin of what I want us to understand. Is that God wants your outside persona to match what you're feeling on the inside. He wants what you actually portray on the outside to match how you really feel and how you're really operating on the inside. And I have an announcement with somebody, God can handle it. God can handle how you really feel. And as we look through this, there's a collective statement that I want us just to echo throughout this series. And I want you to hear it first, and I'm going to have you say it because you need to grab it. This collective statement that we need to have throughout this series is this. It's that we are human, we are not God, and we need God. I'm going to say it one more time. We are human, we are not God, which means we need God. Can we personalize it? Can you say it with me? I am human. I am not God. And I need God. I need us to say that one more time. Hold on, before you say it, though, I'm feeling a pull today because, again, as we come out of Resurrection Weekend, so many people are yelling at people and screaming at people and shouting with people. And today, we just need to hear God speak to us and say, I came for you. I came to make sure you understand that I am here for you so let's say this together and let's say it with, with understanding number one i am human i am, human. I am, not, god. I am not god which means I need god. I need god let's take that in for a second see when we take that in we're now able to confront this thing that while we are celebrating the victory of god while we're celebrating the victory of jesus we still have to confront our everyday lives that are still going through a process. And as we confront this, what we understand is that while we are a week removed from the resurrection celebration of Jesus, a whole lot of stuff was still waiting on us when we got out of church on Sunday. A whole lot of stuff is still waiting on us even right here. And so as we understand this victory that we have in our spiritual lives, if you're honest, many of us are still struggling in our personal lives. And what we do need to understand is that while the tomb is empty, some of us have been running on empty. And we don't talk about that enough, but here it is. Let's not act like we're not in the middle of a pandemic. While things are loosening and things are changing, we have had a year that has been filled with some of the most uh, interesting things. Racial tensions, political tensions, personal tensions, family tensions, loss, job changing. And there are so many things that we just kind of just run by, and we come to church, and we sing, we lift our hands, and then we come in one way, and we leave the same way. But as a shepherd, as a pastor, one of my calls, one of my burdens is to make sure that when we come and we gather together, that we don't come and leave the same way we came. Now, I know life is a process, but I believe that in these supernatural moments, God can do some things if we give him room to move with us. But if we're so concerned with our program and our agenda is so packed that we don't give him time to breathe into us, what will happen is that we come in saying what we want to get from him and he's like, I had something different for you. And so today, if you would, again, I, I just want you to bear with me because I believe today is not a day where you just need to get your five points and get all your notes. There are going to be some things that I want to share with you, but I need us to receive this in our hearts today. I need us to sensitize our hearts today to hear from what God is saying for us today. So here it is. We're in a dichotomy of feelings. The dichotomy of feelings is this. Yes, we have the triumph of Jesus, but then we also have the trial of humanity. Yes, we have the purpose that God has actually, you know, brought Jesus to the earth to die for our sins, to give us life and life more abundantly. But the reality is is that we have to wake up every day and decide that I'm going to go through the process of life. And so as we look back on Holy Week, Jesus' disciples, they faced the same type of things that we are facing today. And they had to reconcile from, you know, having a praise party on Palm Sunday saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, to ending up at the end of the week seeing the one that they loved being hung up on the cross. And while we celebrate the resurrection there are some residual things that actually take place that hit your heart a little different when you go through that type of ups and downs in your emotions. And a lot of times we over-spiritualize the story of Jesus's life and we don't take time to dissect and say, okay, what did they do to walk through that process to actually get over that disappointment? What did they do to really receive the things that God had for them, even when they didn't understand what was happening? See, we know the story with revisionist history. We can look back, but they were in the middle of it, and they had to trust God. So here it is. With all those things going on, with a great celebration on Sunday, If we have, to, we have to slow down and say, wait a minute. While he got up, what happened between Sunday and Friday? What happened between Sunday and Sunday, even when they were trying to reconcile what Jesus was going through? So as we believe in the power of God, the question is not how you are affected. The question is, how are you going to allow God to move in your life as we all have been affected? Because there are some people who would like to say that they are just operating in the Holy of Holies and nothing touches them. And they have angels sleeping over their bed and they read the scripture. They can recite the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and they don't go through anything. But I'm going to tell you, that's not my lot. That's not me. For me, I need to slow down and get the practicality of what God is saying to me so that I can truly win in life. So here it is. While we all are going through something in life, we have to be able to give that thing to God. And here it is. I want to let you know that I want to give you permission to get with God and say, I don't really know how I'm supposed to feel right now. I don't really know what, what's going on. And I'm going to sit down right here because... I told you, I'm going to switch it up a little bit today. While we're used to preaching, while we're used to hearing the scriptures, while we're used to somebody telling us how much we need to have faith, I'm sitting down here at eye level with you today to let you know I'm walking through this battle too. I'm sitting with you at eye level today to let you know that I have to reconcile when I'm disappointed. I'm sitting at eye level with you today to understand that I've had some loss this year that while you're going through different things, that while you might have had someone that you prayed for that didn't make it, while you had someone that they're trying to actually see what does God look like in the the sense of my current reality, we all are in this thing together. We all are dealing with something, and life can throw curves at you because you can be celebrating on Monday and be, uh, be operating in mourning on a Friday. And what do we do with that? What do we do with that? I know we're not used to kind of slowing down like this. I know we're used to somebody just kind of going through a whole message. But I want us all to reconcile with God in this moment. I want all of us to say, God, search my heart. Say that to yourself right now. Say, God, search my heart. Say, God, I want to give you permission to move in my life. As we walk through this day-to-day, I want to say this very clearly to you and I wrote it down because I want to make sure we don't miss it if you're taking notes listen to this but then write it down as a reminder for yourself later stopping to take stock of your life and the hurt and the pain that you have is not a lack of faith that might sound so simple but I want you to grab this I'm I'm slowing down on purpose today stopping to take stock of your heart and what God is doing in your life and the emotions that you have and the feelings that you have, it is not a lack of faith. As a matter of fact, it's the way that we thrive in God. It's the way that we let him into our lives in God. As a matter of fact, it can be a situation of life or death to take inventory of how you feel in your emotions. I read this and they're gonna put it up on the screen. There was a 2013 study by the Harvard School of Public Health and the University of Rochester that showed people who bottled up their emotions increased their chance of premature death from all causes by more than 30%. With their risk of being diagnosed with cancer increasing by 70%. What that simply is saying is that we're holding death on the inside of us by not dealing with how we really feel. The bitterness, the pain, the things that we are really operating in, the ups and downs of life, because we're trying to fake it until we make it, because we're trying to keep the church face on, because we're trying to act like we're not vulnerable, what's happening is that we are dying on the inside. And as a shepherd, as a pastor, I don't want to be a person that has the opportunity to speak life into a people that we just go along and get along and we die and somebody say, oh, what happened to them? Because so many times when we see people take their lives in suicide, what happens is that they've been uh, struggling in in silence for a long time, but they didn't feel like they had a safe place to share it. And the challenge about a stat like this is that it really hits the people who are the strong people of us. You know how the old folks used to say, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. See, usually this service will go with me. Nine o'clock went with me. And yes, while we are soldiers in the army of the Lord, the challenge is when we are soldiers and we're so faith-filled that we are the ones who don't share our wounds. We are the ones that don't stop long enough to take inventory of the big battle scars that we got through the war. But even in a war, even with soldiers, what they do is while they may not be able to stop for every scratch and for every nick, what they do is they push through And just deal with the big things that hit them. But if we're honest, a lot of us, we say we'll get back to that later. Something hits our heart, something hits our emotions, something kind of breaks us down. And we say, okay, we'll get back to that later. And then we find ourselves in the next big crisis, and we've never dealt with the last crisis. And so as we're looking at this, what happens is that this takes us into this term that I believe the Lord just kind of downloaded to me. Write it down, deficiency acclimation deficiency acclimation that word to me means this is when you learn how to normalize living in pain or deficit it's when you normalize living in pain or deficit and it's when you don't even know anymore what it's like to live in health because you've gotten used to operating with a limp how many of us if we're honest We just started to adjust our lives to the thing that hurt us because we were like, okay, I'm not going to go down that road again. Instead of being real and saying, I'm dealing with this, I'm disappointed, I don't know how to handle this. What we do is we just say, okay, I'm not going to talk to that person anymore. I'm not going to go to that place anymore. And God is saying, if I sent my son Jesus to come, die on the cross, be risen again so that you can live and have life to the fullest, what you're doing is you're actually canceling yourself out with potential that I have for you. So as we think about this, the bigger challenge than not just actually sharing those things is that you act like everything's okay and you suffer in silence. How many people are walking around with physical and proverbial masks on, suffering in silence? Smiling with their eyes but crying with their heart. Going along to get along but hoping that somebody would slow down long enough to say, how are you really doing? You know that person, a lot of times things just go, but when they say, how are you really doing? That means they got time today. See, a lot of people just ask you that because they want to give you a nicety. They just want to be nice and gentle. But we have to be a people that start to slow down enough, one, to give that to God, but actually to get with each other and say, how are you doing for real, for real? So as we look at this and we talk about coming out of that deficiency acclamation, there are things that we have to do and there is time that we have to take to pause and ask God a couple questions. Here are the few questions that we need to ask God. Number one, where have I been impacted? Number two, where's the bleeding? And number three, what got bruised? I'm going real slow on on purpose here in the room and those online. I want us to to grab this because I believe healing is going to take place today. Where have I been impacted? Where's the bleeding and what got bruised? And the thing that's so special about a gathering of believers, what's so special about a church, what's so special about us coming together is because this is a safe place where we can come and actually bring those questions to God. But what happens is that we are disappointed, and we don't actually reveal that to God, so we just keep on brushing it away. John chapter 20, verse 19, it says this. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. This is Sunday after the resurrection. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. See, when I read the Bible, I try to slow down because a lot of times we get excited and we just go, we we like that last line, they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. But I'm gonna back up to verse 20 where it says this. Jesus wants us to take notice. He says, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his sides. Jesus was showing them his humanity in that moment. He was giving his humanity full display even though he was divinity. And what happens is that his scars were serving as a reminder that even one who was sent from heaven still had to operate through through being wounded. Even the one that we look at and we call on his name, he still had to be one that went through some things and he felt these things and they were real pains and real results. But what happens is that if we never take inventory of our battle wounds, we'll keep just moving away, and then those things will come back at an inopportune time. You know what I'm talking about. You brush things away, and then somebody says something to you. It's not even something that really should offend you, but because you've compounded this offense, you brought it out at them, and you take their head off. Husbands and wives don't nudge each other right now. And my announcement today is just to let us know that Jesus absolutely cares about how you hurt. He cares about how you feel. And as a matter of fact, he understands it. You may have never heard that in church before, that God wants to actually get in touch with your wounds. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 7, it says this in verse verse, uh, 7 of chapter 5, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you carefully. See, we have to grab this truth right here because religion and church will cause you just to push through pain. Religion and church will cause you to just say, I'm okay. Religion and faith will have you hiding behind the scriptures, not allowing the scriptures to actually read you so that you can actually be transformed. Because what happens a lot of times, whether you know it or not, is people judge you because you might not be matching up with what the word says. But what God is saying is that I was divinity in Jesus, but I still was wounded in my humanity. And if Jesus could be uh, wounded in his humanity, you can be wounded too. So as we celebrate this resurrection of Jesus, for many of us, we really need a resuscitation in our own lives. As we celebrate this resurrection of Jesus and we celebrate the the, the good things that have been brought to us, if we're honest, we need him to breathe back into us again because there are many things that we've laid on the table and said that we cannot actually have hope in again. So here it is. I just want to give us a couple things today that allow us to kind of dig in to opening ourselves up with God, to opening ourselves up to this new journey with him. Not a whole bunch of hype, but the reality of how we are to walk this thing through. What we have to do is we have to intentionally invite God in. And when we intentionally invite God into our lives, into our grief, into our pain, we first have to acknowledge that we are human. We have to acknowledge that we are human. And to acknowledge that we are human, it actually brings a humility to us because we understand, like we said before, number one, I am not God. I am human, which means I need God. Can we say it one more time? Say, I am human. I am not God. Which means I need God. Because the more dependent we are on God, the more we can depend on his hand to guide us through everything that we are going through. And the beauty of the written word, even as we kind of come off of this week of celebrating the resurrection, is that all through the Bible, he shows us this collision course with the divinity and the humanity. This collision course with the holy and the human. And as we walk through this, here it is. God wants us to take off the church facade, because when we don't take off the church facade, we will continue to just walk by faith, but we really won't allow the faith to manifest in our lives. So as you're even looking at me right now, I know you're all like, man, you know, I don't know if I really want to deal with this. I don't know if I really want to take off this church face. I want to give you permission just to take a deep breath right now. Take a deep breath. Take another deep breath. As I think about this and even think about the story of Jesus as he came to the disciples, he showed up in a place and everybody was happy to see him, but there was someone that was missing in that moment that we talk about and we kind of talk down to in the Bible, but he missed the moment because he was actually dealing with some things that we deal with today. And as I talk about him, I want to let you know this next thing that we have to invite God in because it exposes our hurt. And this person that I'm talking about that missed this first church gathering after the resurrection, his name was Thomas. And a lot of times in church, we actually put this bad uh, thing on Thomas. We say doubting Thomas. Why wasn't he there? If you're honest, when you deal with stuff, what do you do? You kind of pull back sometimes. Sometimes. You take a moment to kind of breathe. You take a moment to respond. You take a moment where you're not necessarily wanting to be around a whole lot of people. And what I love about this story is that it really allows us to get in touch with this word called disappointment. Disappointment. There are many definitions to the word disappointment, but this is what I want to give you today. Disappointment is the distance between expectation and reality. Disappointment is the distance between expectation and reality. What you thought it was going to be like and what it really was like. What you prayed for and what happened. Can we be real in here today? The things that you had faith for that didn't necessarily manifest. And so if we're honest with ourselves, just like Thomas, Thomas, he saw the same things everybody else saw. But in that moment, he said, I don't know if I want to be disappointed anymore. So he pulled back. And here it is, in John chapter 20, verse 24, it says this about opening up to our our injuries. It says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nails, the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound of his side. See, one of the signs that someone may be impacted in life is that they actually stop showing up. One of the signs that people are disappointed is that you stop seeing them. You, you ever thought about that person and said, what happened to so-and-so? And then when you meet them at the store, you see them at the mall, you actually find out they've been going through some things. And because they didn't feel safe among the believers, because they didn't feel safe with their friends, they actually recluse instead of coming closer. And so Thomas right here, he was disappointed. He had absence because he had hurt. He had this disbelief. But what we want to understand is that Jesus, he was okay with that. And he didn't call him down. He didn't punish him. He actually said in verse 26, it said, eight days later. A lot of times we look at numerology in the Bible. Eight means new beginning. He said eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. What he was saying right there is that I understand that that you actually were hurt. I understand that you didn't believe it, but I want to come to you. I want to be close enough to you where you actually can feel the pain that I went through so that you can believe again. But what happens is that I believe that Jesus was right there saying, come on, come closer to me. Don't run away. Come on, lean in with me right quick. Jesus, right now, to all of you are saying, come closer to me. Jesus, without all the hype, without all the shouting, he's saying, don't put on the church face any longer. I know you've been coming to church week after week, month after month, year after year. But he's saying, right now, I want to do something special in you if you will come close to me and not run away from me. And as we think about this, Hebrews chapter 4 says this in verse 14. A Jesus who loves us so much that he wants us to know that he bears witness with us. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession." For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. Some version says we don't have someone who doesn't understand our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Can we be honest right here? How many of us need God in a time of need? How many of us really need God because we've gone through some things and we don't quite understand everything and we want to make sure that we're not operating in being false, but we're operating in being real? As we do this, it shifts something in all of us. And this last thing that I want to share with us as we kind of, again, just start this journey of taking off the church face is when we let God into our reality, it helps others heal. When we actually start to take off the church face, when we let God in, it helps others heal. Our family and our friends that need a safe place, they see how we're opening up to God and how he rejuvenates us and it helps them heal. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, it says, All praises belong to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. He can bring them the same comfort that God has poured out upon us. How many of you, you were set free because someone you trusted walked with you through a journey? As we slow down, As we take this time to be vulnerable, as we stop putting on the facade, as we stop just going along to get along, God is saying, hey, there's some people waiting on you to unlock them by the thing that you walk through. And the last thing that I want to give us, even as a scripture to hold on to, is this one, and it's the most powerful. James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Everybody in here that's been with us from the beginning of the year, you heard me say at the beginning of the year, this is the year to leave no one behind. But no one will ever know that you need help until you show up with your real face. Because for some of us, our healing won't come to you until people can actually see you. For some of us, people think you're okay because you're acting like you're okay. And what I don't want to happen is for us to walk out of these times of church, to come in lifting our hands, singing great songs, receiving things from God in a moment, but then leaving and going back to hell on earth. Say this with me. I am human. I'm not God, which means I need God. Many of you are familiar with this young lady. She speaks a lot about vulnerability. Her name is Brene Brown, and and she said this. She says, what makes you vulnerable makes you beautiful. What makes you vulnerable makes you beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm kind of taking my time today is that for a lot of us in this room, for a lot of us online, it's been a long time since we've really been vulnerable, not only with God, but with ourselves. And what I'm here to do is really just to facilitate a moment where we can let the mask down. I'm here to facilitate a moment that we can start to pause and start to take inventory of our lives. And the reason why it's so important for us to come in times of church like this is because this is a safe place to do it. And what we're going to do, we're going to take a moment to pause and allow the Lord to minister to you. Because more than what I can say, more than a scripture I can give you, Some of us have never taken the time to say, God, I really need to give this thing to you. So, in a moment, the worship team, they're going to sing something over us, but it's going to be a time of reflection because you're going to do some homework right here in in this moment. There are two questions that I want them to put on the screen. The first question says, Where am I feeling lost? Where am I feeling lost? That may be something large. That may be something small. It may be your schedule is different. You're not used to operating in a way that you've now had to operate in. And the second question says, what do I need to experience in God's presence? Is it comfort? Is it peace? Is it hope? Is it confidence? Whatever it is, what I want you to do in these next few moments is I want you to write those down in your phone. This is for you. And I want to actually encourage everybody in here to participate in this moment. If you've never taken a note in church, I want to make sure you pull out your phone right now and just take a time to answer these two questions. Because what's going to happen is that as they sing this over you, there's going to be a moment where you've written it down. And then now we're going to give it to God and allow him to sing back over us as we worship him and release it fully to him. So for the next few minutes, write this down and then respond and worship.